Welcome back to Repod, the University of Salford's research podcast set up by the SciComm space to bring research into the public domain. And today we have a fantastic episode with Dr. Ursula Hurley that was recorded during the Festival of Research in July. It's a whirlwind guide into how to bring disciplines together. Enjoy. Hi, Andy. It's good to have you here. I think we've not seen each other for a long time and uh, the world's sort of changed us since, I think, hasn't it? That's right. I think we were doing microbial poetry uh, at the Manchester <laughs> Science Festival last time we spoke. Yes. We sure were. And I think uh, what's really interesting, we were just having an Instagram live with Dr. Dr. Gary Kerr, who you may remember is one of my PhD students who's now Associate Professor at Edinburgh Napier University in the Business School. And, oh, wow. You know, Amazing, amazing career he's got. And I think it's wonderful to see how many people at Soft University come from quite diverse backgrounds. You know, I spoke to Yelis Pry yesterday, who started off doing a fine arts undergraduate and is now working to lead our EPSRC Centre for Prosthetics and Orthotics Doctoral Training Centre. So, you know, everyone's got such diverse careers in academia, haven't they? I think that's wonderful. And we had um, Ruby Wax talking to our uh, PhD students yesterday, and she was absolutely talking about plasticity and the mm. fact that, you know, it, it's really an opportunity. We can we can evolve, we can be agile. And if we have the transferable skills and as she said, if we have the interest and the excitement, uh, we can learn to do whatever we like. You know, she's gone from stand up comedy to to writing serious stuff about neuroscience. Incredible. I mean, that's really remarkable, isn't it? I think that's one of the messages I think that often when I start sort of teaching at the academic year, when we've got undergraduates making their first sort of steps into their careers, it's really hard to get across just how how fluid life is, especially within universities. And if you do take the time to go into sort of postgraduate research, it really expands your mind in a remarkable way, doesn't it? I think that's absolutely right. It's it's having those those skills and then becoming uh, interdisciplinary. And the most exciting thing that's happened to me in my research career is becoming interdisciplinary. And I've had a you know a, a really kind of strange career journey. I started off as a copywriter, uh, writing catalogue copy, um, and then realised it was the creative process and you know what makes writing effective and how can we you know pinpoint what it is that people respond to. And that took me on my own research journey and it, it led me to working in digital fabrication and 3D printing poetry with people who were unable to write conventionally so it, you know as you say it, it really is the most incredible journey and it really is our own ambition that's the only limit uh, to, to where we might go. Well I really want to hear more about digital fabrication but tell for the people that haven't met you yet tell us a bit more about your role at the university what do you do and what's your day-to-day -day like? I, I wear a lot of different hats. Uh, for the past three years, I've been director of Sulphur's doctoral school. So I've been you know, really interested in, in the well-being and, and the progression and the support that we offer to all of our, we've got about 800 postgraduate researchers uh, working at, you know, across a, a spectrum of, of qualifications from professional doctorates in, in healthcare uh, through to people uh, doing practice-based research around dance and motion capture and kind of engineering and acoustics. And, 
you know, all points in between. And it's just wonderful to see the diversity of the research that's going on. So my job for the past three years has very much been to, you know, how do we enable research? How do we support our, our researchers? And of course, through the pandemic, that's become the most urgent question. Um, and so I found that I could draw on my background as a creative writer to think about, well, you know, how, how do we help people to be perhaps become more resilient? Um, or if the PhD they thought they were going to do uh, suddenly isn't possible because of the pandemic or things have changed, you know, how do we help that, that plasticity and that adaptability? Now, as a creative writer, I am very, very used to failing you know, creative writing. I think a lot of creative processes, you know, failure is kind of built in. We we get things wrong. We we write drafts. We change the drafts, you know, any kind of creative practice. I think we get quite used to failing. I think I'm not sure if he actually said it, but the Samuel Beckett quotation uh, ever failed, no matter, fail again, fail better. Um, and I think we're, we're quite used to that, you know, that we have a creative um, vision or idea in our minds and we know that we're never going to realise it perfectly. You know, there's always going to be a rough edge or something you didn't quite, you know, get out in the way that you wanted to. And we, you know, we do the best that we can. So I thought, how can I bring those kinds of processes and those kinds of insights across research? Because I know particularly in, in lab based work and in science work, you know, the stakes are much higher. It's not just a, a document that you need to rewrite. If your experiment goes wrong, then, you know, you might have lost a lot of time or it might be some very expensive stem cells that, you know, so I'm not being flippant about this. I know that the stakes are, are higher and failure means different things to different people. But what we want to do is normalize experiences of failure you know research is a discovery environment and in a sense if things aren't going wrong or behaving unpredictably you're not really going to discover anything so it's it's kind of helping people to feel safe to feel supported um, and to reflect on experiences of failure uh, rather than feeling it's something they need to disguise or hide or whoops I'll pretend that didn't happen and I'll, I'll just carry on so that's that's kind of where my research um brings me to and that's the failure work that we're uh, we're doing today yeah so tell us a bit more about the program for today we've got a whole day of discussions and conversations about this subject so what's coming up we really have. Um, so I'm going to be looking at, at storytelling and, and kind of the stories we tell ourselves. Uh, and we can often give ourselves a really hard time. Uh, we might think we've done something wrong. We might think that lots of people are noticing or, you know, that it's a really huge kind of mistake. When in fact, most people don't even, I've realised in, in my job, I've, I've done a lot of on the job learning in the past three years. I think I've done something wrong and other people, you know, they don't even notice or they're like, well, that's fine. You know, it's not a problem. We just, you know, we just pick ourselves up and, and carry on. Uh, so I'm going to be talking about storytelling, uh, looking at the inner monologues and the stories we tell ourselves. And if we can perhaps become more mindful, more aware of the way that we talk to ourselves, we often talk to ourselves quite harshly. I often say to people, would you speak to your friend the way you speak to yourself? Um, and we, we probably, you know, speak to ourselves quite, quite cruelly sometimes. So it's becoming aware of that. We're looking at a little bit of narrative, narrative theory, nothing, nothing too scary, just a little bit to help us understand how narrative works um, and how we can actually flip that narrative so that we can consciously tell ourselves a more positive story. 
And there's lots of uh, neuroscience developing at the moment, which seems to be backing up the idea that, you know, we really can create our own reality by the way that we speak to ourselves and by the language that we use to describe, you know, our place in the world and the things that we're doing. So if we can start to flip that narrative and become more positive, there is building evidence that that can actually change our brain and, and can actually change the way we experience reality. So uh, without getting too profound, we're going to just dip our toe in, in that, that kind of uh, that kind of practice today. Um, we've also got um, a couple of, of colleagues. Uh, we've got Vicky Payne from the business school and she's looking at, at assurance techniques and kind of, you know, how, how to build confidence and how to progress with some a sense of assurance in yourself. Um, and Davina is going to be looking at decision making protocols. And actually, she's found a, a set of protocols that um, are used in emergency situations. Apparently, NHS ambulance crews use, use these protocols. So we're not going to get into any emergency situations, hopefully today but we're going to see what learning we can take uh, from that good decision making and again it's it's dealing with when things go wrong just accepting it and moving on but also dealing with uncertainty dealing with the fact that we might not make the right decision but we make the best decision we can given you know given the information we have at the time that sounds such important work and i think that certainly i find with with student life confidence is such a barrier to not just feeling like you're doing well and having a positive mindset but actually enjoying yourself as well and I I often tell students when they have their sort of uh, final year presentations you have to start off by telling yourself you're going to enjoy this because actually that change of, of mindset does allow you to access a different kind of experience that otherwise could be quite nerve-wracking and intimidating and could be just something very different if you change that idea. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's the way we frame things. And I think we in, in academia and in university, sometimes we, we don't realise that the tone that we might be setting or, you know, there may be an underlying assumption that this is meant to be hard. Uh, this is meant to be stressful. Uh, I, I think... Um, you know, with PhDs, there's an awful lot um, of, of that kind of narrative around, well, it's meant to be difficult. Well, I was, up, you know, all hours of the day and night writing my PhD. You, you know, why shouldn't you do the same? And I think we need to say, yeah, it's meant to be challenging. But if it ain't fun, you know, what what, what are we doing here? So, yeah, we've, we've got to enjoy the journey. We've got to enjoy the process. And I think my understanding of creative process perhaps enables me to to share that way of you know, accepting that a process is happening and that we, we are allowed to enjoy it. Um, it doesn't invalidate the results if you if you had fun while you were doing it. <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think, again, it sort of reminds me of how diverse the lives are of, of researchers and how what's been, been really lovely so far with the festival. We've had Instagram lives taking place each morning with different students. And so many of our students come from incredibly different backgrounds and walks of life and I think that university really needs to be and can be that place where you can have time to reflect to think deeply about your life and it's often sort of talked about in a quite sort of cavalier way that the kind of the real work happens at the canteen or around the coffee and I think it's it's something we sort of think about in quite glib terms but actually it's really important to have space to think to reflect and to make that a big part of your life as a researcher. 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There seems to be a cult of, of busyness. And again, yeah. Ruby Wax was was talking about this yesterday that, you know, you, your, your worth or your success seems to be measured by by how busy you are. Uh, <laughs> and I think sometimes we, we need to say it's OK not not to be, you know, doing a task, but actually to step back and, and just reflect, just, you know, take a deep breath and allow yourself. You know, I find going for walks is incredibly helpful. You know, if I'm mm. working on a, a journal article and there's a there's a paragraph I can't crack go for a 30 minute walk I will almost inevitably have the answer by the time I come back and yeah some of might say oh, well that's skiving you know don't don't get up from your desk stay there for six hours till you've sorted it out but actually it's that it, it's that movement I think into different spaces that the brain actually appreciates um you know I don't I don't necessarily understand the neuroscience but that kind of that difference in space and Ruby talked a lot about this yesterday that if you you know if you physically you know change space just go and make a cup of tea, um, go and stand on the grass and just, you know, look up at the sky or hear the birds singing. And it, it just switches on different bits of our brains. And I think, as you say, one of the things we've we've really missed and our PhD students have really missed is that kind of going for a coffee, um, those kind of chats in the margins. Uh, I think that's been a, you know, a huge challenge um during lockdown but you know we've we've tried we've tried to have teams coffee breaks that we've had you know um bring your pet to to virtual work you know because people's cats are very good at helping them at the keyboard these days um so as you as you say it, it's that cult of busyness and we we need to say you know it's all right to stop it's all right to pause and i'm a huge advocate for reflective practice and building reflective time i always advise phd students keep a reflective journal you know have a have a document and if you just want to rant or you know complain or say it's all going wrong or whatever there's something very powerful about getting it out um and then you can look at what that inner voice is saying to you and go well actually that's really not very helpful or you know that's that's a bit daft that's not actually valid so there's something very powerful about getting that out um in the world so you can see it i think that's absolutely right and i know that as we go back to sort of uh, hopefully getting back to normality in some respects will maintain some of these healthier practices perhaps in terms of our digital connectivity i must confess between you and i and everyone watching sometimes in meetings i will just go for a walk and keep the audio on <laughs> i think it's a good because otherwise we're in front of screens i know that people find that quite exhausting i certainly do so if i'm at a meeting attending more than contributing then i'll i'll try to do something at the same time to relax a bit because i think it's a good way to combine just a relaxing time but also engagement with what we're doing yeah, I think that's a really excellent idea. Like you, if I can be on audio, I try to go for a walk while I, and I actually have a better conversation <laughs> while, while I'm doing it. Uh, and we've also found that some of the research we've been doing, we've been doing some uh, co-created research with a local community group uh, during lockdown. We actually started to meet in Peel Park uh, and do socially distanced uh, walking and talking around Peel Park. And that's, that's produced the most incredible, we've actually got a graphic novel that's come out of that, that nobody wow. was nobody was planning to do it. And, and some of our local community members have, have turned into fully fledged artists. You know, they decided they wanted to write this novel. So they started looking on YouTube at tutorials. And now we've got the most incredible artwork. Uh, and that just came from going for a walk around Peel Park. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Is that out yet or is it sort of on its way? It's nearly there. It's nearly really? there. It's, it's coming to print. We're working with an amazing community interest company called Ziggy's Wish, and they actually uh, are experts in graphic novels as research outputs and as representations of research data. So they're helping us and we're hoping for an autumn launch and uh, we'll, we'll let you know when when that happens. 
please do. And I'm very conscious now that you've got 10 minutes before your event starts. So we might just <laughs> sign off. But thank you so much for taking time out to join us this morning to share your experiences. And I think your your approach to research is incredibly refreshing and something that we all need to, to appreciate and take on board. So thank you for being here. Thanks, Andy. It's been a pleasure. Good luck with the event. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you very much. Take care. Well, if there's one thing that I really love about Salford University, it's the way we bring disciplines together. People working across art, science, health, business to come up with unique solutions for the industry sector, especially. And we'll be back again next week with another episode talking about research. Have a great rest of your day wherever you are.